sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood, Tuesday, October 20th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, with me live and direct, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you what you need to make it a profitable day. Of course, we'll try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev, we had not one, but two. Monday night football games as becoming part of our 2020 new normal. And we start with the one in the AFC where the rain was coming down the entire time. I don't know how much of a difference it made. Josh Allen said he didn't like throwing the wet ball, the kid from out of Wyoming. But, hey, I digress. The Kansas City Chiefs get the job done. They go to 5-1 and one on the road, beating the Buffalo Bills 26-17. to 17. An interesting game, right? Patty Mahomes only throws for 225 yards, although a very efficient 21 of 26. He found Kelsey in the end zone twice, and the Bills were content to let him turn and and hand the ball to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, which he did 26 times. CEH with 161 yards trying to prove to people, hey, I know we all hear about Lev Bell, but don't forget about me with 161 yards on the ground. Although, Kev, he once again failed to get into the end zone. You know, he did. But they called it back via penalty again. again. But the Chiefs get the job done 26 to 17. What's your big takeaways from this one? Yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, though, they showed up and they said, oh, you're just going to give us five at five at a clip? No problem. Yeah. And they just punched we'll take in the it. mouth all game. And it got to a point, though, where they were like, all right, we got to stop. The, oh, we, oh, we can't stop them. They were so downhill. There was nothing they right. could do. And, and I will say this, and, and it, it could be an overreaction, but I'm not going to guarantee you that these running back splits, okay, in terms mm. of the carries, look all that different when Love Bell gets there. Clyde Edwards Elaire, like we've talked about in terms of uh, what is he in the goal line? Like, is, is it all his fault? Sure. He, he's just running up against bad luck now. Uh, I mean, these it's back to back weeks where these <laughs> where these are getting called back. He looked excellent. And the one thing, Dane, you talked about this with DeAndre Swift, right? The other day, rookie backs mm-hmm. off of a bye. Like Clyde hasn't even hit the bye. He's only going to get better, right? That would be the expectation as a player. And Mahomes. Like the one thing that's important to note is those ten carries for him, is just making the defense pay when they turn their back and they're running downfield to pry and cover. He'll make you pay with the legs. He did it all game long, twenty six to seventeen. And I think Troy Aikman on the call said, "It's I promise you, it's not that close. I promise you, it's not that close." They really yeah. were in command, uh, and Buffalo, man. Ah. Look, I was saying, you know, in terms of the AFC teams, there's a couple that I was selling, you know, Steelers fit that group. So I'm not saying I'm right across the board, but Buffalo also was in that group of of a team that I was selling. We've now got back to back weeks of them playing top AFC competition. And I and I would say, Dane, they look a tier below. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's somewhere I was going to go as well, right? We've been talking about the tiers in the AFC, and I agree with you. I think this outing puts Buffalo on a tier below the uh, undefeated teams in the AFC, certainly, and, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, for me, you know, they're in the same space as maybe the Baltimore Ravens, right, as maybe mm. the Raiders, as maybe the Colts, right, that kind of tier. Playoff contenders, but I don't think they're going to get all the way be the last man. And standing at the end of January as we welcome our radio audience in from around the country. Big shout out. Thanks for waking up early with us. I also agree with you, Kev. Patty Mahomes scrambled 10 times. Darrell Williams even looked decent, toting the rock, right? And I think that is mm. part of part of the reason was the Bills would refuse to allow the big time over the top play, you know? And so then the Mahomes scramble was there. Edwards Hilaire being able to run even Darrell Williams. They get Lev Bell added to the mix starting next week. I don't think Clyde Edwards Hilaire goes away at all, but you do see Darrell Williams there on third down, whether it's the, out of the backfield or on the the draw that maybe in the inside the 10 yard line that's where i expect lev bell to really do work you know we talked about um kev early in the season we talked about leonard fournette switching teams and we said that he may get less work, but that work would be a lot more efficient and valuable to his real NFL team. And I believe the same thing can be said for Le'Veon Bell. Let's talk about the Buffalo side, though. I agree with you, Kev, that, you know, they have shown themselves in the last seven days with losses to Tennessee and mm. Kansas City, you know, not being, you know, at that elite class. I'm with you. This is a 10 and 6 team, not a 12 and 4 or 13 and 3 team, in my humble opinion. Now, they may be good enough to win the East, but for me, I still need, and I said it going into this game, I still need more proof points, Kev, from Josh Allen. In these big games, he did not throw the ball well, okay? 14 of 27, 122 yards, did make the mistake at the end when he was trying to bring them back in the fourth quarter. Outside of one drive, Kev, in the fourth quarter that closed this gap to 23-17, I was unimpressed with what I saw out of Josh Allen in a big spot, the spot he's going to need to deliver in if they want the Bills to get, you know, to be one of the final four teams here in the league. He threw for 122 yards. He, only, he threw the ball more than Mahomes did in the same conditions and threw yeah. for 100 less yards. It was a garbage performance. And, and we can expand quickly. Completion. It was miserable. And also, we can expand quickly, but on the other side, this defense still a lot hmm. of questions for me. Okay. We'll talk about it. We're off and running right here on the early line. Kevin and Dane talk more when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, breaking down these Monday night football games we saw yesterday. And listen, the Chiefs and the Bills both see themselves as contenders in the AFC. But, Kev, I'm with you, right? You know, 
Sometimes in sports, we use the phrase the litmus test, right? And I believe the Bills have gone through a litmus test over the last two weeks. And they failed it, Kev. You know, they failed it, right? Tennessee, with everything going on against them, still punched Buffalo in the mouth. And then, you know, when they had the Chiefs in their building, and I got to tell you, in conditions that only neutralize it in a way that should have helped them, right? Um, Mm -hmm. They couldn't get the job done. And while the score was like a nine-point game and they got to within six in the fourth quarter, I'm with you. At no point did this feel like Buffalo was threatening to win the game. And you're talking about their defense. This is a defense Mm -hmm. that people believe is a top five, um, is banged up. Right. So we do have to make that caveat, but they don't seem to be holding up when Derrick Henry can punch him in the mouth and Patty Mahomes can make some plays to extend drives and they allow CEH to, you know, go off um, for I over 150. I don't know mm-hmm. how they hang. It seems to me, Kev, like both of our kind of thesis, thesis again, of the Bills are correct. You're saying that Bill's defense is not all it's cracked up to be. And if that's the case, then guess what? Josh Allen's going to have to make plays. And I don't have confidence in him to avoid the big mistake. What do the Bills still need to do to reach that upper echelon for you? Yeah, and that's the thing. Trust me, I don't disagree with any of the Josh Allen points. I just want to talk about the underlying issue. Because the Josh Allen thing we can all see coming. Or we should be able to see coming, right? But this de- they were supposed to be defense first, right? Like, this is a game performance from Josh Allen. They lose regardless, right? But mm-hmm. there were a couple of other spots where, you know, oh, if he does this, they should be fine. You might say, ah, they held the Chiefs to 26 points. Ultimately, you know, that's under the team total. The time of possession was 38 to 22. They right. dominated the ball. That's why, by the yeah. way, there's value in just letting a team run, run, run the ball. If you can force them into field goals, it's fine. That's why when you ask about what do I want to take away, if I can take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, that's a monster win. But for Buffalo, this was a bad performance defensively. Like, don't let the final, oh, they held him in 26. No. It was a bad performance defensively. And I will make this point. We made it the other day. But here is the Buffalo stretch, Okay. At the Jets, the get right spot of the season. Ooh, their defense will look just fine on that weekend. (laughs) And then three weeks before their bye, host the Patriots, host the Seahawks at Arizona. Mm. That is a three week stretch that, if they are for real, needs to be two and one. Not an easy ask, needs to be two and one. All right, we will see. I mean, you know. If they if you give them the Jets win, even if they go one and two against those other three teams that are much tougher, you add two and two to their current record at six and four, they'll still be in the mix. I guess you're right. Seven and three oh, is a lot better. I'm but, talking about you know, what, my believability in them. They them missing the postseason the would be very surprising. Yeah, I'm talking about right. believing in who you are. Right. Okay, no, that's fair, because their record will probably get them there, right? They'll be in the playoffs. The question is, would you be willing to back them against one of these other teams we're talking about that are in this second and third tier, right? Could the Bills be that litmus test team, right? Where their defense and Josh Allen is good enough against mediocre teams 
to look fantastic. I mean, the man was an MVP candidate in the first month of yep. the season. The question is, what happens when they go up and they take a step up in class, right? And we've seen mm -hmm. that over the last two weeks and in any kind of playoff game, to be quite honest, whether it's the Colts, the Raiders, uh, you know what I mean? The Titans, some of these teams, I don't know if I have the confidence in them to deliver so we'll keep it moving there was another monday night football game on the original monday night football game for this week and i remember telling you way back in the offseason kev that this would be the third straight road game for the arizona cardinals right now i gotta tell you something kev kyla murray came out at the start of the game okay and he was off he was off. I don't know if it was excitement because he was playing in the building where he won state championships and all that or the big mm. kind of, you know, uh, prime time setting, his coming out party. But then, of course, they got rolling in the second quarter and beyond. He throws for two touchdowns. He runs for another one. Kenyon Drake with a big day, 164 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. Andy Dalton couldn't get the job done at all. However, it does look Look like he'll be another one of those volume throwers that I talk about putting it up 54 times to bad two of them were completed to the Arizona Cardinals the Cardinals get the job done they win 38 to 10 a lot to take away from this one but what was your headline here man I mean goodness me Dane you gotta be you gotta be looking at this game and looking at this Dallas Cowboys team and and how it relates to the NFC East who's going to get us ready to roll on primetime next. Yeah. There's a lot there, though. So I'd rather start on the Arizona side. Okay, let's Ultimately, do that. they were able to come out of that three-game road trip with two wins, right? Now, the Jets one was yeah. supposed to kind of be in the bag. Right. They got the they win Carolina. On, yeah, the spot in Dallas was the toughest of them all. They're 4-2, and two, second in the NFC West, and... What felt like something that might have been slipping after they had lost two consecutive, they now feel like they're back on the good foot. And I think the big thing, and part of the reason probably why Kenyon Drake decided, I'm going to the house instead of laying down, where the game was over if he lays down, obviously it was over regardless, mm -hmm. is he needed to get right. A lot of Chase Edmonds talk, deservedly so. Yeah. But yeah. Kenyon Drake leaves this game 20 164, two touchdowns to Chase Edmonds, five for 23. Yeah. And I also thought that Arizona's defense really put forward a really nice performance in their first game without Chandler Jones. Without Chandler I think Jones, that yeah. is significant for this team's confidence moving forward because they still were able to apply pressure to the quarterback, a lot of blitzing. Maybe this looks different against a non-Andy Dalton quarterback, but I thought this was a performance from Arizona that puts them firmly back in the mix of the NFC playoff picture when, just a couple of weeks ago, they looked like they were going to go right back to being fourth in the right. NFC West with a bullet. Yeah, no, I think that's a very good point, Kev. And, you know, that's always the risk, right, when you got a second-year coach, the second-year quarterback, when they hit a two-game losing streak, right? Like, there are teams every year that come out hot and then kind of regress and, you know, turn into a pumpkin. And some people were wondering, could are is Arizona for real? This is an interesting win. It gets them to 4-2. and two. You talk about them being able to put pressure without Chandler Jones, and that's obviously a huge injury for this pass rush, right? But they were able to put pressure. Kev, 
I direct your attention to the matchup next week when these Arizona Cardinals and whatever pressure they put on, they are in Seattle next week, Mm. Kev. And what a game I'm thinking about for that one. You know, because you're right. This offense is going to be dynamic. People are like, oh, the Seahawks, is their defense really that great? And now you got Russ being able to cook on the other side, even if they bring pressure, you know. And we got four and two up against five and zero, oh, with the Rams having just fallen down in that division to San Francisco. I'm talking about a marquee matchup out west next week. Yeah, no, it's a fantastic matchup. And I'll, you, you and I have done a lot of uh, conversation about big picture AFC, right? Because it's very interesting. Yeah. But here's the thing with the NFC, right? If, if I were to say Bucks Saints, you expect both teams in the playoffs, right? It's expectation. Yeah. Yes. The Packers and the Bears, because of where the Bears are record-wise, there's an expectation that both of those teams will make the playoffs, right? Let's not even put a label on it. Three teams from the NFC West sounds fair, right? Yeah. Well, we've now run up to an issue. That's seven right, teams. Right, right. Yeah, one the of NFC them NFC East, we know, is going to have to take one of those spots. So this yes. is already shaping up. But, you know, there are certain losses that you'll look mm-hmm. back on. Arizona hosting Detroit, right? Whatever it might be. Tampa Bay losing at Chicago. There are certain losses that these teams are going to look back on that have cost them a, a spot in the postseason. Because right now, when you go through it, there are seven teams in the NFC yeah. that all look like they belong in the playoffs. At least one of them will not be there because the NFC East has a right to That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You got your two in the north, two in the south, and all three out west. One of them will be left on the outside looking in. We talk about this more after the Sports Grid News Update. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Right here on to the early line. Of course, big shout out to all the radio affiliates from around the country waking up early with us. And we got big news on the radio side coming. So stay tuned for that. You know, Kev, you said you wanted to talk about Arizona first, and we did. And I believe, you know, without Chandler Jones, their defense showed up. Um, Vance Joseph doing the job there. We know this offense is going to be dynamic, going to be exciting. I will say this, though, kind of odd that DeAndre Hopkins only catches two balls, but it didn't matter. Hmm. They still score 38 points. Remember Christian Kirk, you know, Christian Kirk still was able to go over the top. Christian Kirk, also the former teammate of Kyler Murray with a little bit of Texas ties, trying to get it done in Jerry world. But now we have to turn to the Cowboys, Kev. Um, And here's my thing. I'm going to tell you honestly. Yeah. I mean, Andy Dalton made some horrendous throws. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to tell you though, honest. Kev, the most concerning part about this for me was Zeke putting it on the turf twice. And the fact that, you know, listen, everybody and their mother rightfully expected, in my opinion, him to get fed. And when you have this kind of max contract and you're now the all pro that this team has to rely on and hang your hat on, you can't put the ball on the turf two times and average four yards a carry and literally look like the second best running back on your roster. Like, that's Hmm. a problem. Talk to me about Zeke. Yeah, he legitimately lost 
playing time to Tony Pollard, Mike McCarthy acknowledged it. Yeah. Not like, oh, he, no, he's like, yeah, no, he, the fumble issues, we had to go to Tony more. And that's not good at all. Ezekiel Elliott needs to be much better. The contract that they paid him is a disaster right. no matter what. It wasn't supposed to be this bad this early. And one of the things that you and I disagreed upon coming into this game, listen, we've had many of disagreements. Some have gone my side, some have gone yours. But you said that they would come out and to be able to establish the run and control. But Dallas did what they've done all year long. They've been sloppy. They got behind. And they go into a one-way game script. Andy Dalton just threw the ball 54 times. This is the third time they've had a quarterback throw the ball 50 times in a year. He played six yep. games. I'd say he was football games. They haven't covered a number yet. Dallas is abysmal. Uh, abysmal. And the narrative around the NFC East is Dallas wins by default. Dallas wins by default. Right. So here we are. Through six weeks, the worst defense in football, tied for the fourth most points surrendered to a team's first six games in the history of this league. And now, on the offensive side of the ball, without their top eight quarterback, moving over to Andy Dalton. I, I said before the game, it's set up for a world of I told you so's either side. Okay? So I'm yeah, trying not to walk that line. But the reality is, the worst defense in football is now supposed to be carried by a backup quarterback when a top eight quarterback couldn't get them right. Dallas yeah, and terrible. Kev. And that's the reality. Right, and, yep, and Kev, that's why I thought they were going to be led by Zeke. I mean, I, I'll ha I'll still stay that I was the it was the right approach for them. That's what they should have done. And in fact, that's what they tried to do. They just right. were ineffective un, in doing so. Which you know, has been the case all year. They can't do a game it. of outputs. Like 100% oh, you're right. That's the ideal world. But they can't right. do it. Like as here's it's the, the same they as they had two drives before he fumbled. And they were both yeah. three and outs that that were a combined less than 5 yards yep. gained. That they, they no, I hear you all can. year. They can't get in front. Right. And it's similar. Remember, we have talked about this, maybe not to this extent with the Cowboys, right? But we talked about teams that needed to establish the run right? Needed to get out in front. You didn't want them in the catch-up scenario, right? We've talked about teams like Cleveland in that way, even Baltimore in that way. Here's the thing for me, Kev. Dallas, with Dak Prescott, had the ability to maybe stay in games, try to come back with that other way. Hey, we got three wide outs. We got the kid Schultz. We got Dak who can pull miracles and keep you in it and come back, right? Not with Andy Dalton, you don't. With Andy Dalton, you become more of a team that has to, Kev, win games in the way I'm talking about, like with Cleveland or other teams. It has to be by establishing the run and then potentially let Andy Dalton do play action, that kind of stuff. They don't have the other option of letting Dak be on pace for 6,000 yards anymore. That's part of what it is. So it's even more important that Zeke can establish the run, can be fed, and can, to your point, be effective in doing so. That is clearly not the case, Kev. Now, we wake up today on Tuesday, October 20th, another beautiful day in the neighborhood. And the entire mm -hmm. NFC East 
is within a game. I don't want to talk about the records. I don't want to talk about six and ten, maybe getting it done, or six, nine, and one potentially, right? I want to talk about the fact, Kev, that after six games, this division, they're all within a game of each other. Mm. Okay. You take the records out of it. You have a first place team, a team half a game back, and then two teams that are a game back, right? And you have coming up this week the teams playing each other in division in the mm-hmm. NFC East, right? Both teams are going to play each other. We start on Thursday night with Giants-Eagles, and then obviously we also have Cowboys and the football team as part of the Week 7 slate. If we put up the NFC East division odds right now, and I know we're going to look at this. I know there were some other divisions as well, but look at the NFC East, Kev. To your point, everyone thinks the Cowboys win by default. This is now a 2-4 and four team that's minus money to win their division when they've got a half a game lead and a backup quarterback. <laughs> the Eagles are second at plus mm-hmm. 140. Call it 3-2, to two, right? Okay, but we were joking. You and I are literally, you know, on the practice squad for this team. Remember that movie Miracle? It may be like that. There is literally, Kev, their top three wide receivers, both of their tight ends who are legitimate weapons, and their running back. Their six top skill players are done, and Carson Wentz leads the league in interceptions, and their offensive line is banged up as well. That's the team. That's plus 140 to win this division. The Washington football team, that's only a game back, has a head coach that's going through chemotherapy, and their best story is a guy returning from almost getting his leg amputated in a feel-good story. And there's the New York Giants, who many, like a week ago, people were thinking they might go 0-16 with a first-year special teams head coach and their best offensive weapon already on IR with a torn ACL. What do you do in this division, Kev? Uh, so the division for the week goes 1-3, and three, but they played one another. And had Ron Rivera not gone for two, they really might have had a week <laughs> Where nobody oh, two and got two? a win. <laughs> like, they really might have had a week where nobody would have got a win had he gone for two and that game ends up tied in OT. Here's the reality, Dan. Without a shadow of a doubt, the best performance that any NFC East team had was Philly covering in a loss against Baltimore. <laughs> the Giants couldn't cover a point-and-a-half spread at home against Washington. I think we're now all starting to come around to the idea that the Dallas Cowboys being minus money to win anything is an outright joke, okay? The idea that they win this division by default needs to be put to bed. So minus 105, please, tell that story walking. Of course, these big numbers now that sit there for the Giants and Washington become interesting. But Washington has lost five in a row. The only teams as bad, the Jets and, of course, their six-game losing streak, and Jacksonville has lost five in a row as well. The Giants' only reason for not being 0-6 is because they hosted Washington. If you think for a single damn second I am going to give a team credit for not being able to cover a home number of one and a half points to the Washington football team, you're out of your mind. 
Had they converted that two-point conversion, we are talking about the Giants as a possible 0-16 candidate. Mm -hmm. This isn't Philly love, okay? I said all year this might be a disaster year for them. It's gone worse than I could have even imagined with injuries. There is, to me, no argument that this is not the best team in this division. I don't say that proudly. The division is a disgrace. But I really don't see the vision. They have it. They beat the Niners in San Fran. They had they hung around all game with the unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers and had a two point conversion attempt to tie that game against the Baltimore Ravens. And they should, at least at some point, maybe if there's anything fair in this world, get hmm. healthier. Get up. maybe. Although I've been saying that, and they've actually gotten less healthier. So I don't really know how that's possible. That's what hmm. we've seen. That's what we've so seen. So let me ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this, though, because with the baseball playoffs, right, you've looked at series and be like, but if they get this win, then that number for the series, the futures number, is going to change yeah. dramatically, right? There's a universe, Kev, when we wake up on Friday morning, right, and the Giants are 2-5 and five, and the Eagles mm -hmm. are 1-5-1. and one. I, I hear you. Maybe the Eagles are the best team in the division. I'm intrigued by the plus 850, though, for the Giants, because if they win on Thursday night, that number is going to get a lot lower, right? It's going to get lower, but what are you going to be able to do with it, right? In the playoffs of, for baseball, we're dealing in tight parameters and tight windows, and there's massive moves after one result. I think you just hmm. play the plus 176, especially, too, with the way Philly's banged up, that number was look-ahead line, almost a touchdown. Philly's so banged up, it's down to four. Play the plus one right. Fair enough. You say Philly's banged up? We'll dig into that when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here on to the early line. Dane and Kevin putting the fun and functional sports content, giving you the edge on the grid. Now, Kev, you know, when we were going through the NFC East and you're talking about Philly and how good uh, the roster is, <laughs> right? And I agree with you, but a lot of the roster is banged up, Kev. And they, you know, did not have any favors last week in week six. As we see some of the main injuries, now that we could put week six kind of to bed, we got to do a little bit of an autopsy of it. And two of the big names from the injury report are Philadelphia Eagles. Now, remember, this is already with DJX gone, Jeffrey gone, the kid Jalen Rager gone, Dallas Goddard. Although I hear Goddard may be on his way back, not this week, but the following week, because, you mm. know, it's the short week this week. But maybe Goddard is viable for week eight. And boy, would he be somebody to check for on your waiver wire if he's available on the comeback. But I digress. Talk to me here. Ertz banged up with the foot. Miles Sanders with the knee. What does this offense like? I'm not trying to be silly, but where does this offense turn, Kev? J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, Boston Scott. What is this team going to look like in a mere 48 hours when they take on yeah. the Giants? And I'm not joking, in a big division matchup. No, it absolutely is. Look, I think, you know, filling in, 
whenever a running back goes down, if it's, it looks like it's going to be for a couple of weeks, you, you look to the backup. So Boston Scott uh, immediately becomes interesting. The question I have for you is no words, no Goddard. Eventually yeah. Goddard comes back. I actually um, did grab him in a league, which was nice because nice. I needed help with the tight end position. Deshaun might be back. Oh, he probably got hurt again. Deshaun also even, could come back and last a quarter and a half, know, He could last know, like a quarter and a half. So this is why I'm bringing it up. Okay, and this okay. is all very depressing for me. A couple of weeks ago, and I didn't yeah. disagree at the time, but a couple of weeks ago, Travis Fulham, a Fugazi, yeah. 6.75 and a score, 10 yeah. targets in the game. What are we that doing? That was here? predicated what are we doing on. Here? I know. No, I, I, that's a good point. That's a good point, Kev. The fantasy manager has to consistently, Kev, play the short term versus long term game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you make a good point about uh, the good old Old Dominion kid, right? Yeah. If I'm going to fire on someone like uh, Fulham, right? I need a couple of factors to be in place for my fantasy team, which may be different than yours, which may be different from anybody else's, right? I mm-hmm. need, if I was going to go grab Fulham, I would need to have a short term need, right? Because eventually, like in the fantasy, and, and need that short term wins to really solidify my contender status. If I'm five and one right now, I'm not firing yeah. on Fulham because by the time I need him, I don't think his role will be the same. And I'm going to save my waiver claim. I'm going to save my fab budget for something that is a bigger leverage point for my future. Now, if I'm two and four and I need to get the next two wins to even be in the playoff race for fantasy, then it's a much more short term immediate need. And Fulham becomes imminently viable. Right now. Remember, I also said that last week when Mm -hmm. Hurts was still around, when Miles was still around, when these guys were still on the horizon. So you may Make a good point. Fulham is now like the with Boston Scott also like the last man standing. Yes, I give you mm-hmm. that. But for me, there's also a balance of short versus long term, where my team is, what my record is, and if I need to use my budget, my claim down yeah. the road. Does that make sense? No, but and by the way, I'm not saying, oh gotcha, look how wrong you were. No, like, no, no, there's of course, a lot of, of course. things that have happened it's since you course. said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My thing is after Right, watching Fulham now. So two weeks since the Sunday night game, right, where he had that miraculous catch. 10, 152 and a score, 675 and a score. Yeah, I'm not sure he fades into oblivion on this team when they get healthy. That's why I think he's, he's, because he's producing. Like at the end of the day, when someone shows out like this, they just show out, right? It's the same way now in Pittsburgh, Chase Claypool is wide receiver one. Like, and you can check that for projections, DFS pricing. He's now wide receiver one. Nobody yeah. trusts Deshaun Jackson. Like, at the end of the day, put it to you like this. Who would you rather for the rest of the year, Fulham or Deshaun Jackson? Oh, that breaks my heart to ask. I oh want to God. not have to start either one oh of my them. God. That's my answer yeah, to decide. you. I, I don't even want to ask the question, Dane. Yeah, you know the answer, you I have, guess. You have to. I have to be more stable, right? I got to be, I I think Fulham is more stable than Jackson. Oh my gosh. Oh, next. I can't. But here's the thing. Here's the only thing to push back on you, right? And you're right. When they perform, they don't fall into oblivion. I get you. 
Then, but, you know, there's something like Mike Davis we think is going to fade into oblivion. I understand the player coming back is a completely <laughs> different level. I know you are, right? But that's part of it. And we'll go into some more diamonds and fugazis. But I do want to look at other parts of the injury report, Kev, because we could have yeah. the waiver talk in a second. If we put up this injury graphic, you know, usually, Kev, we talk about running backs, wideouts, quarterbacks, right? Big time kind of like fantasy assets, the skill yeah. position players. There's two players on this list that I think is very, very important that the casual fan may not um, realize the importance of. And there's two teams, Kev, that play each other in a huge AFC matchup this week. I'm talking mm -hmm. about Devin Bush, the linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers, the top 10 draft pick who was there to replace Ryan Shazier and go sideline to sideline. And guess what? He has for this top defense that I believe is a very big defense. Devin Bush tore his ACL today. He's done for the year. That is a critical cog. Everyone talks about Minka Fitzpatrick, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt. It's Bush that's going left and right and stopping the run game, okay? He's gone. Mm -hmm. On the other side, for the Tennessee Titans, we talk about, oh, Derrick Henry and the run game protecting Tannehill so he can go over the top. Well, guess what? Their Pro Bowl tackle, Taylor Lewan, tore his ACL as well in that game against the Buffalo Bills. He reported it himself on Twitter, but now he is done for the rest of the season. And to me, this is so critical for both of these teams. We're talking about this Pittsburgh defense. They lose a hugely important piece. We talk about what this Tennessee offense can do, whether it's King Henry or your boy top 10 Ryan Tannehill, right? The left tackle is obviously, a Pro Bowl left tackle is obviously mm -hmm. a key piece. Neither one of these guys can in essence be replaced talk to me about the impact of them both just independently and then what it means when the titans run game sees the steelers defense this sunday the big thing is for me taylor lawan because okay it's almost you like for devin push right at least i could throw you like a tackle number interceptions maybe you know what i mean like i can give you maybe something Sure. Offensive line play is still one of the most difficult things for us to wrap our hand around, which is the, the numbers are not a part of the conversation. And yesterday watching the Chiefs, you know, uh, Mitchell Schwartz left, leaves that game, right? And yeah. I know yeah. uh, deep into the game, I heard Troy Aikman talking about, he goes, look, give Nick Allegretti a lot of credit here because they had to move Remmers to tackle to replace mm. Schwartz. So Allegretti coming yeah. into guard. So that's sometimes the issue. Not only might the guy be replacing Lawan be a downgrade, right. but if it requires movement on the line, I might be downgrading at two spots plus messing up continuity, which we know is important on the offensive line. So, you know what's really uh, a disaster? When the first time you're going to have to play a new uh, offensive line grouping, <laughs> you see the Pittsburgh Steelers front. That's what I'm right? saying, this front. So. Yeah. It's one of those things. Now, listen, am I getting ahead of it and setting myself up to discredit Pittsburgh again after a good performance? Yeah, you bet. You bet. You better believe it. We're ready to discredit the whole thing. But in all sincerity, right. like it's a spot that they can then possibly take advantage of. And that is significant. Yeah, it is. I mean, think about the Eagles. And I, I, I'm sorry to go back there, but right I of know. all the injuries they I have, know. you consider Lane Johnson pretty much the biggest one, right? Because of yes. that impact all the time. And, and the casual fan doesn't necessarily think about it. And I would say, Kev, especially for a team like Tennessee. 
that is so dependent yeah. on their run game and giving Tannehill time, right? I think it could be a big impact, and we're going to see how it plays out in what I believe is the game of the week in the AFC with Tennessee seeing Pittsburgh, a battle of undefeated teams in the NFL. So that's really big. We also, Kev, you know, for the fantasy, we talk about this, right? We know about all the injuries. We are now done with week six, and we look to the waiver wire for week seven. I always do a fantasy waiver wire video. And so I want to tell you some of my diamonds in the rough for week seven and see if you like any of them. Okay. You may have lost the Miles Sanders. Joe Mixon got banged up a little bit. And also, Kev, we have to realize there are four teams with a quote unquote regular buy this week, right? You know, the regular buys for Baltimore, who you may have some players on. Minnesota, you may have some players on. Miami, Gaskin has been a revelation. So here's three of the guys. You mentioned Boston Scott, last man standing. I'd love to get your insight if you think the player is good. We know the opportunity is there. I'd love your thoughts on the player. But I want to make one point here. With the bye weeks coming up, always, managers, look to the teams that had their bye last week because rosters and managers sometimes have the roster crunch and they have to drop someone because they have a bye week. That's completely viable. And I believe Justin Jackson fits that mold there, Kev. He's he's only rostered in less than half of leagues, so he makes the waiver claim board. But listen, he outtouched Josh Kelly in that game mm-hmm. against New Orleans on Monday night. He was the guy, and he you can have him right now in half of leagues. I know Herbert has been dynamic in the past game, but Jackson is the running back getting the most touches for the Chargers after Eckler, and you can snap him up in half of leagues. I like him. I like McKissick also, but mostly because of the game script. He seems to be the dump down option for Kyle Allen. But what do you think about these three backs? Would you roster all any of the three? And talk to me a little bit more about Boston Scott and really give me his scouting report. Uh, Boston Scott is good. He's not been good on the year. Mm. Good enough. I don't know. It's he's a, he's a running back. I, the whole offensive line. <laughs> hurt. It breaks my heart. I'd much rather talk about the other guys. The Jackson okay. thing is very important. Because for whatever reason, Josh Kelly's not the lead hand, okay? Whether it be talent, whether it be the way they see him as a back, whatever it is, Eckler was the lead hand, it then went to Jackson. So that means that it can be viable. Now, Austin Eckler is supposed to come back at some point. So you talk kind of about, you know, long-term view. I mean... But for a couple of weeks, can this guy be in the mix? I mean, look, they're playing Jacksonville next week, okay? They're going to see a lot of Justin Jackson in DFS leagues, right? And we're all coming up against buys, so he could very well be viable for you. J.D. McKissick is super fascinating uh, because Washington last week had him carry the ball 8 for 41. Now, Gibson was 9 for 30. More touches than Gibson. And then, but McKissick, right, was 6 for 43 on six targets in the pass game. Gibson, 425 and 5. Not a big gap, but 15, 14, the yeah. narrative around Gibson is that this is a very fantasy viable player as the only piece of a, of a Washington team outside of Terry McLaurin that you can turn your attention to. McKissick might fit that description. I wonder, Dane, if yeah. Antonio Gibson managers need to almost have to own J.D. McKissick. But, look, that sounds kind of gross that I got a double you know, up on Washington backs, but right. it might be the case here. It's possible. This McKissick uh, call here, for me, 
You remember in years past, you're plugged into the NFC East. Remember Chris Thompson when he was in Washington and how Chris Thompson was more productive than any other running back Washington had yeah. because of the game flow? I feel J.D. McKissick could inherit that. When you talk about carrying both of them, I got to tell you, Kev, this season with COVID and random scheduling, I'm almost abandoning handcuffs altogether because if you get caught with it, it's almost double the impact. We'll talk about that more, but some names to look at. We'll come right back here on the early line, talking about another kind of football for a little bit. Come on back and find out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. In hour two, we got plenty to discuss, right? The World Series gets going. We've got college football to wrap our head around and more in the NFL. But we want to take a slight detour real quick as we finish up hour one. And, Kev, you know, something that got us through our lockdown programming, right, was good old football yeah. across the pond. And the Champions mm-hmm. League is back, Kev. A lot of people like to bet this, right? And... You know, we're getting into the kind of the knockout stage, but I saw a kind of marquee matchup in tonight in one of the groups where Paris Saint-Germain is taking on Manchester United. And I bring this up, Kev, because, you know, I see a tasty plus 350 bet in there somewhere. Talk to me about kind of the calendar of the Champions League. I thought we just crowned one, but now we're yeah. already, you know, kind of in the group stage of this tournament. And has there been like big time player movement on some of the the big boys you know who get loaned out or sold and stuff like that let's reset the deck for elite soccer yeah you know it's it's funny but actually uh, edison cavani leaves psg to come to manchester united it doesn't look like he'll Ooh. be making his debut in this game uh, but that's certainly one thing you know that was noteworthy uh luis suarez goes from barcelona to atletico madrid uh isn't is messi trying noteworthy. to bounce also he was unsuccessful uh, okay. in that attempt. Um, it, I, it was the it was the most real though it's been in my time following soccer of, of you know Leo Messi actually going right. elsewhere. Uh, Juventus, by the way, plays in the early slate. Uh, I would not expect Cristiano Ronaldo out there, uh, as we know he uh, came down with COVID. Uh, so you know, there's going to be some interesting things. This is the first. Uh, games of the group stage today group so, stage, right? uh, it'll be fun to follow get back in the mix uh you know you talk about futures markets you can find some really nice value sometimes in the champions league futures market uh, i'll just say united psg is uh probably the biggest game on the board certainly in name value it, it feels like yeah. it fit that description and you know we come right back to see what these triple money lines look like for PSG to be a minus 195 on a triple money line really lets you know not only what they think about PSG, but they feel like Man United is kind of stumbling a little bit, which I can't disagree with, although they just pulled off a 4-1 result against Newcastle. There might be some value on the dog. Interesting. You know I'm taking the draw, Kev. And by the way, Man City is the favorite at plus 410, and then Bayern Munich, the rich get richer, right, at plus 430. Our number two of the early line coming up next. 
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com.